BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. Happy Friday. We are glad you're with us. It's Friday, February 26, 2021. And look, if you're a conservative, the place to be today is Orlando, Florida. That is the scene of the big CPAC event. Conservatives, stars galore. They've descended onto the stage in the Sunshine State. This is like Disney World for conservatives, minus all the Disney political correctness, by the way. We have plenty of coverage today. Plus, I'm going to give you 10 bucks right now if you can tell me who this is. I'll Venmo you. Never mind, I'm not. I don't even have $10. I'm just going to tell you. She's the Senate parliamentarian, Elizabeth McDonough. And let me just say, Democrats are not happy with her after her so-called ruling about how their minimum wage proposal cannot be part of the COVID stimulus bill. We will dissect that. And Joe Biden's nominee to be assistant HHS secretary, uh-oh, under the microscope, Rachel Levine getting grilled over her previous support for allowing minors to be given hormone blockers to prevent them from going through puberty. Also, genital-altering procedures and gender conversion therapies on children. Oy, Gavolt, we're covering it all. But first, CPAC. President Trump speaks Sunday. That's kind of a big speech. But today, some pretty good warm-up acts, including Senator Ted Cruz, who was in rare form. Because I'm going to close with these words of encouragement. These are dark days, and the media tells us this is the new galactic empire forever and a thousand years. But already Joe Biden and the radicals in his administration, they are already overshooting. They are already going too far. Their policies don't work. They are disasters. They are bad. They are destroying jobs. They are stripping our freedom. And there is a natural pendulum to politics. And the country will come back to sanity. And mark my words, 2022 is going to be a fantastic election year. And so is 2024 as we stand together and defend liberty, defend the Constitution, defend the Bill of Rights of every American. In the immortal words of William Wallace, freedom! I've got chills. Oh, my gosh. It's running. All Anyhow. All right. Uh, let me just say, by the way, on, on CPAC, I hope conservatives have brought uh, down there at CPAC these uh, Mr. Potato Head toys uh, with them in solidarity. Save Mr. Potato Head. Uh, you may have heard about how Hasbro is now going with the brand name Potato Head instead of Mr. Potato Head. Oh, don't even get me started. All right. We're going to talk about that later in the show. First to CPAC. I want to head down there. We're joined by the president of programming at Real America's Voice and host of Dr. Gina Primetime, Gina Loudon. Gina, great to see you. Have you here on the water cooler. It's great to be with you. I was afraid you were going to introduce me as Mrs. Potato Head just in light of the <laughs> recent news. No, Gina, but I'm sure you've been called worse, as have I, by the way. Uh, all right. That's true. Yeah, just Every day to, on social media. Right, just go on Twitter, exactly. So what's the vibe down there, Gina? Can you give us a sense of what's happening down there? 
You know, the vibe is fantastic. And I'll tell you, it is exactly as Senator Cruz said. There is a pendulum swing. You can feel it. If you remember back to the Obama days, uh, it was Obama that gave us Donald Trump. And Donald Trump was really the culmination of what we were looking for at the foundation of the Tea Party. The Tea Party happened for years and years and really didn't have a leader. Um, for a while, it was Andrew Breitbart, if you look back at Tea Party history. And then, uh, unfortunately, Andrew Breitbart passed on. And then there was sort of no leader for a while of the real conservative movement uh, that ultimately became MAGA because Donald Trump took the reins. And it was thanks to Obama. Donald Trump himself said many times, I'm here because of Obama. And I think that our next red wave will will culminate thanks to the socialist totalitarianism we're seeing right now. Yeah, I think that's great analysis, uh, uh, Gina, because that's exactly what, why Donald Trump became president for a lot of different reasons. But Obama was was obviously a big part of uh, of that, uh, the anti-Obama for sure. Uh, let, let me ask you a little bit about, I'm assuming Mitt Romney, uh, unless he wants apples thrown at him on the stage, will not be at CPAC or Mitch McConnell or any of the, uh, uh, the traditional Republicans like that. Well, it's interesting who turned down the invitations. Um, I think uh, Nikki Haley wasn't asked. Um, the vice president turned down the invitation, perhaps not knowing exactly with this red meat conservative crowd how he was going to be perceived. Um, and so it was really interesting to me who came, who didn't come. And it is interesting, the change in guard here at CPAC. There used to be a lot more push and pull between uh, the moderate faction and the more red meat conservative. The moderate faction isn't really here anymore. And it's interesting. If you look, um, you know who pointed this out to me? I should give credit. Carrie Sheffield mm -hmm. actually had on her show um, an interview uh, um, analyzing sort of Mitt Romney in Utah yeah. and his popularity with Democrats. I believe he's somewhere around 70 to 80 percent popularity with Democrats in Utah. Um, the, the moderate Republican, the rhinos, Popularity has really shifted to be mostly popular only with Democrats. And Republicans are really rejecting moderate Republicans these days. And so the base of Republicans have really become very, very conservative. And you're seeing that shift here at CPAC. Moderates not welcome. And that's interesting. That's a true shift that I've witnessed here this year. Yeah, you know, I, we saw that shift uh, over 10 years ago with the Tea Party. Uh, that really was kind of the beginning of saying, hey, enough of we need fiscal discipline and we need all of that. And, uh, and we got Marco Rubio and we got uh, others, uh, you know, Mike Lee and Ted Cruz and all of that. So, so I'm wondering where the party goes from here. Are you hearing anything about uh, a new Trump party, a Patriot party. I mean, what's kind of the scuttlebutt down there, or is it, or is just this all about having to make sure the Republican Party gets reshaped rather than uh, broken into two? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, I, I'm not hearing that. I was hearing a little bit of that right at the beginning of uh, everything that took place after January 6th. I think you had some real disgruntled, um, you know base patriots that were that were really angry and wanted to sort of send a message to people like Lynn Cheney and that that lot of people. Um, I'm not hearing that at CPAC. I think what you're going to hear, and this is my prediction, I have no inside knowledge on this, but I think what you're going to hear from President Trump from the main stage at CPAC on Sunday is, I'm here, 
I'm not going anywhere. I am the leader of the Republican Party, and I think that will settle any of those third-party questions that were sort of uh, coming out of everything that took place around that January 6th time period. Yeah, Gina, and I, I've known him, uh, you've known him obviously a very long time. I've known him over a decade or so. I, I'm just wondering what his speech is going to be like. I, I guarantee he's going to make news, obviously, and it's probably going to be around two hours long, is my, <laughs> is my sense. Uh, but I am wondering about how much he needs to look forward, because the media is waiting for him to look back at the election results, and they're going to, they're going to ding him on that if, if he spends too much time there. You know, no one's going to script this uh, former president, <laughs> as you know. <laughs> but the media is so starved David, for for Donald Trump to take a stage again, that you almost wonder they're going to be in this bizarre position of going, thank God Donald Trump is back in the news, right? Mm -hmm. yep. And then uh, wanting to bash him because it's just muscle reflex for them to do so. So uh, they're going to definitely be in a quandary, aren't they? It's going to be almost fun to watch them speaking out of both sides of their mouth, trying to sort of almost egg him on and jab him where they can. But at the same time, please, just please give us more because Joe Biden won't even won't even do a press briefing, right? So it'll be fun to watch. Yeah, Joe Biden uh, clearly uh, out to lunch, uh, literally out to lunch. I mean, I look at his press brief or press schedule. Literally. Day, and he's like, he's having lunch. He's signing a couple things. He's going to bed by seven o'clock. I mean, that's Joe Biden's schedule. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Uh, but I'm wondering about Texas. I mean, he's going down to Texas finally. And it's like, what took him so long, Gina? Well, you know, I mean, it takes him a long time to shuffle along anywhere. He's got to get his peas all mashed. He's got to eat his ice cream. Oh, He's got to play with his dogs so the press can write about that. I mean, there's a lot of things on Joe's schedule every day. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and that's what I did notice. I saw peas mashed on the schedule. So that's a good point. I, I didn't even take that into consideration. Uh, good, good point. Hey, uh, final question down there at CPAC. What do we expect uh, uh, tomorrow over the weekend besides Donald Trump? I mean, what's kind of like the theme? They usually have a big theme going on. What's, what, is, what about Matt Schlapp and what do they have going on down there? Yeah, the theme is my favorite theme ever. It is conservatism uncanceled or something right along those lines. And I think it's perfect. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it couldn't be better. You know, conservatives are tired of being canceled. We're tired of living in this totalitarian culture where they're telling us what we can wear on our faces. They're telling us where we can eat. They're telling us what we can say. They're taking away our platforms. They're telling us what we can drive with green energy. They're telling us whether or not our businesses can be open. They're telling us where we can travel. They're taking away the wall that protects the American people while they're putting a wall around the American capital, keeping Americans out of it. I mean, if this isn't the definition of socialism, I don't know what is, David. And I talk about this every night on my show at 7 p.m. And I'll continue to talk about it. I know you're talking about it. And that's why we have our own Ben Burkwam down on the border pointing out news that no other networks are pointing out, David, because we are going to cover that news yep. uh, that it seems like the rest of the media is just asleep with the wheel on. But we really are entering uh, a cancel culture to the point that sometimes it seems even worse. Yeah. 
the level of um, cancel culture than it is in some true totalitarian regimes that we're witnessing around the world. And I I don't think it's coming. I think we're there. And that's why we're going to point it out every single day here on RAV. And that is why, that's when you drop the mic. Dr. Gina Loudon, boom, I'm out. (laughs) CPAC, see you at Dr. Gina primetime. Boom, watch it. It's expensive mic. I know, we got to pay for it, right? Okay, Gina, great to see you. Thank you so much. When we, (laughs) goodness gracious. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about uh, what happened with Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul, and Dr. Rachel Levine the other day. Get ready. Back in a moment. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Uh, what a scene in the Senate, uh, actually one of the committee hearing rooms uh, this week. Uh, Senator Rand Paul questioning the uh, nominee to be the Assistant Health and Human Services uh, Secretary, Rachel Levine, who is transgender. Uh, and he was asking Levine about some of her controversy or some her, him, I'm sorry, transgender. I don't know. Am I going to get in trouble? You know, this is what it comes to. What c- Cancel me. Go ahead and cancel me right in the middle of the segment. I don't care. Uh, anyhow, he was talking to Levine about uh, her support. Uh, for uh, some of these uh, gender uh, gender transition therapies and about hormone blockers and just just some some crazy stuff that the the left is all into uh, and I want you to watch this. I'm alarmed that you won't say with certainty that minors should not have the ability to make the decision to take hormones that will affect them for the rest of their life. Will you make a more firm decision on whether or not minors should be involved in these decisions? Senator, uh, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field. Uh, and if confirmed to the position of Assistant Secretary of Health, I would certainly be pleased to come to your office and to talk with you and your staff about the standards of care and the complexity of this field. Let it go into the record that the witness refused to answer the question. The question is a very specific one. Should minors be making these momentous decisions? For most of the history of medicine, we wouldn't let you have a cut sewn up in the ER. But you're willing to let a minor take things that prevent their puberty, and you think they get that back? You give a woman testosterone enough that she grows a beard, you think she's going to go back looking like a woman when you stop the testosterone? You have permanently changed them. Infertility is another problem. None of these drugs have been approved for this. They're all being used off-label. I find it ironic that the left that went nuts over hydroxychloroquine being used possibly for COVID are not alarmed that these hormones are being used off-label. There's no long-term studies. We don't know what happens to them. We do know that there are dozens and dozens of people who've been through this who, who regret that this happened and a permanent change happened to them. And, you know, if you've ever been around children, 14-year-olds can't make this decision. In the gender dysphoria clinic in England, 10% of the kids are between the ages of 3 and 10. We should be outraged that someone's talking to a 3-year-old about changing their sex. Hello? That's correct. 
Let's bring in Travis Weber uh, with the Family Research Council. He's Vice President for Policy and Government Affairs. Uh, Travis, great to have you on the show. Thank you very much. What did you make of uh, that, that exchange and what should people understand about Rachel Levine and what uh, some of the policies, I shouldn't say policies, but some of the positions that she's taken uh, in the past? Yeah, I mean, this exchange is very revealing. We've got to give kudos to Senator Paul for bringing up the issue. It's a tough issue, but he's shedding light on something people need to know about. This is occurring around the country and it needs to be addressed legislatively. It's crucial that we understand that Levine you know, advocated for this kind of thing in Pennsylvania and has given speeches advocating that children be given cross-sex hormones, puberty blockers, and the like. And, you know, in the exchange, refused to answer Rand Paul when he asked whether parental consent should be overridden. You know, so Levine's not even acknowledging that parents have a role in this process, leaving the kids, you know, out in the cold to deal with this stuff on their own. And as Rand Paul pointed out, there is tragedy here. Uh, people regret this when they go through it at a vulnerable spot in life when they're younger. We know from our work studying the issue of gender dysphoria, almost 98% of men who have gender dysphoria uh, or attractions of identifying with the opposite biological sex uh, in their youth eventually grow out of that when they reach adulthood. We know the issue uh, needs more attention than it's getting. I'm glad Rand Paul pointed this out. And people need to know this is the kind of Bi uh, nominee that, that President Biden is putting forth and wants helping run the Health and Human Services Department. Yeah, and, and Travis, and the fact that Levine wouldn't answer the question is an answer in and of itself. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, twice, twice you know, refusing right. to answer the question, twice looking robotic, like giving a canned answer that someone wrote on notes probably, you know, and, and no doubt caught off guard by, by Rand Paul's bold question. The left's not you know, expecting conservatives to stand up for these tough issues sometimes. Kudos to Rand Paul for doing that. So much so that Patty Murray had to come in later and offer some kind of lame defense of Levine saying that, you know, Rand Paul was picking on her. Rand Paul's asking a question. You can't answer that question of a legit public policy issue that we need to deal with in America? Sorry, that's unacceptable. Yeah, and, and here's the thing, Travis. Once again, here we are. The left is going to do it again. They over want to, they always want to overreach. They always want to overreach. And, and, and here's an example, uh, the, the whole thing with female athletes, uh, you know, transgenders competing against female athletes. I mean, I can't imagine any of this goes well in the suburbs uh, of America, uh, you know, many of the suburbs of America. But, you know, maybe in L.A. and New York and at the Washington Times and the, or excuse me, the Washington Post and New York Times. But how this plays in Peoria, I mean, this it just seems like they push the envelope just again and again. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is a war on biology and common sense. Mm. And all Rand Paul's doing is shedding light on something people need to know more about. This is why, I mean, we're very keen on addressing this. We think it needs to be addressed. There's a bill introduced in Arkansas this week, this Wednesday, that would address this at the state level. 28 similar bills around the country moving to address the issue that Rand Paul is bringing up. We need to address it legislatively. It's key that people understand the issue. So when you say legislatively, what, what would the legislation do, in essence, at the state level? What, what are you trying yeah. to do? So there are variations on these among these bills, sure. but basically we think that you know tax money should not be our tax dollars should not be going to fund gender transition procedures for children. And that includes you know a host of different things across sex hormones, puberty blockers, physiological interventions, including top and bottom surgery. And this is where you know people start to talk about children mutil being mutilated or mutilating themselves. All that, you know, none of that should be should be funded by the taxpayer. And frankly, you know, when it comes to children. We need to look at banning these procedures outright. 
The other element is we need you know, parents involved in decision-making. In no way should parents be cut out of this process. All these issues are important to address legislatively. In Ohio, uh, you know, there's, there was a case where a custody was taken away from parents because they objected to their child, uh, child's desire to transition, try to transition to the opposite biological sex. Judge took parental custody away. All these things need to be addressed, you know, and there are variations of these bills in the states. The Arkansas one is a good one because yeah. it does it comprehensively. Uh, there's one in Alabama moving as well, but I'd say we need to look at all these things. Well, Travis Weber, really appreciate you coming on and giving us some of that information. It needs to get out there, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, and by the way, did I miss something? Uh, Democrats are pro-choice, right? Madison, right? They're pro-choice, that's, yeah. So they're pro-choice. So here's the thing, parents, want to decide for their kids what's best and now the government is going to say no you're not pro-choice in that in that situation they want to override it come on hypocrisy dave brad dean of economics at liberty university talking about the minimum wage when we come back professional welder shana ford used vr training developed by forge fx to hone her skills as a welder the more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Everybody, the minimum wage on hold right now. Democrats wanted to shove it into that COVID-19 stimulus bill. And as you can see, justthenews.com, the Senate parliamentarian says that $15 per hour minimum wage hike and relief bill, unacceptable under the rules, according to the Senate parliamentarian, Chuck Schumer decided, uh-oh, we got a problem. Anyhow, we're going to talk about that and a lot of stuff with uh, Dave Bratt, who's back on the show, Dean of Economics uh, at Liberty University. Uh, Dave, great to see you, sir. Hey, thanks for having me on, David. Well, the minimum wage, uh, give me your reaction to the uh, what's happening in Congress right now. Democrats are, are in a pickle. They're going to probably try to figure out a way to jam it in somehow, but uh, they got problems with the parliamentarian. Yeah, and uh, we ran into those same problems, and so that, that usually is always a leadership question. And so, you know, when Biden is hinting, uh, that it's not going to go through on reconciliation, uh, that's probably the big hint. So it, it's probably not going to go through. Uh, they can't break uh, the 60-vote threshold because of Manchin and uh, and uh, the uh, senator from Arizona. Oh, Cinema. And yeah, so, Cinema. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Cinema, right, who's holding strong on principle, and uh, she's a very smart person. And so, you know, different on ideology, but it shows you, you got you got interesting folks on both sides. Yeah. Uh, but the issue it, itself, I mean, it, it's just mind numbing right now when the uh, in the uh, the bailout bill now they're giving uh, federal workers relief uh, for education. Uh, at yeah. the same time, you're going to further hurt the industries that are going bankrupt right in Richmond, Virginia, all the foodies and the pubs and the restaurants, the retail, the hotels, they're all in the tank. And you're going to hit them with a $15 piece that they just cannot handle. And yeah. uh, so, the, 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 but they don't care, right? And so that, that the key piece you got to get through is the Marxist logic is the accumulation of power. It's not about raising your wage rate. It's not about helping your kid in school. It's not about truth, justice, in the American way. The, the liberals used to believe in some of that stuff. And those debates were fine. You know, the scope of government, 
the hard left right now is it's about the accumulation of power and you can read every single issue uh, you look at just read it through that lens yeah. and it'll make perfect sense i want to come back to the minimum wage but let's put up that article we just had about what you talked about what's tucked inside this covid 19 stimulus bill yeah uh, uh they could get up to twenty thousand in enhanced paid leave to federal workers with children out of school and basically the devil is in the details because basically what this is saying if i understand this dave is that even if parents have their kids back in school they can still qualify. It doesn't have to be virtual. Like, this isn't like helping parents out, uh, you know, because they're, they're, there's a hardship here. The kids could be back in school and they could still be getting a check. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, a, it's just like, you know, uh, Zuckerberg miraculously statistically picking the six key states to invest in. Right. Uh, so there's your, that's your power play, right? And so what's going on here? Well, you couldn't pick a better cohort of Democrat voters. And so they're clever. They're just shooting money to Democrat voters to say, this is how we pay you back uh, and make sure we maintain our hold on power across all the key sectors. They socialized health care. They got big tech on board now. Uh, there's not much they don't have. They own all of culture. Uh, and that's the piece that really matters, right? The, the Hollywood people, the news people, the media people that yeah. ha have a huge impact. And so uh, the Republicans, we got to we got to start doing better on the culture ourselves. Dave, with your experience in Congress, do you think Democrats or, or Congress overall will get any sort of minimum wage bill passed kind of uni unilaterally? In other words, do you think there's support in Congress from a Republican standpoint for uh, maybe not a $15, obviously not a $15 minimum wage increase, but a, like Romney's proposing $10 uh, minimum yeah. wage? What do, you th what do you think? What's your sense yeah. of the politics there? Yeah, I, I think uh, that's dangerous enough that it could work. Again, it, 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 it's not the level, it's the, the, the message you're sending is that we're not using the market and the price system anymore, right? Just like with the solar panels, everything's going via DC. So I think Manchin also mentioned maybe 11 bucks is in his target window. And so, you know, some, something that number maybe does get through, uh, but then, you know, it's all ratcheted above that. So if you do that at 11, it's not just 11, it's that then the people that were making 11 demand 15 and then right. 15s want 18. So that's the, that's the issue. You know, as, as we wrap up here, I want to put up a list of some pros and cons uh, that, that we have put together. Uh, and let's go with the pros first. Uh, and I want to get your take on this. Obviously, the pros of raising it uh, would increase economic activity, spur job growth. It would increase the minimum wage. Uh, increasing the minimum wage would reduce poverty. These are the pros. These are the Democrats, what they would say. And they would also say that a higher minimum wage would reduce government welfare spending. What, what do you think of those arguments by the Democrats on this? Well, the, the first one is the most problematic. Uh, raising the minimum wage does not increase economic activity or spur job growth. It, it does the opposite, right? The market uh, is the innovator, and uh, you, you have to let the market run. On what we, there, there are hardly any markets left. Right. What the left wants, again, through the Marxist prism, they want a few firms in every industry, preferably one that they can control. So big tech, they got monopolies. Healthcare yeah. is a monopoly uh, just across every industry. Right. So that's what they're doing. Uh, what they can control firms better. So this is going to put the small guy out of business uh, that's got ups and downs. Right. It bankrupts the small guy. And then the big guys maybe sustain it. And then they control the big guys. Same story every day. Yeah, and let's put up the cons as it relates to uh, why we shouldn't be doing this and raising the minimum wage. Here they are. Uh, 
Increasing the minimum wage would force businesses, obviously, to lay off employees and raise unemployment levels. Also, an increase would hurt businesses, force companies to close, and also raising it would increase the price of consumer goods. What I'm assuming this yeah. is, uh, talk to me about this. It's, it's backwards. It's, it's the opposite of any econ 101 textbook. When Greenspan and Bernanke were both interviewed after the 08 economic debacle, they were asked, what's the greatest harm uh, to the economy from this uh, thing? And they said the loss of productivity at the low skill levels. It's not the wage rate that matters. It's getting that kid their first job where they learn to set an alarm clock, get up in the morning, uh, do things right at the first job. I started bussing tables, waited for five years, did all the normal stuff. That's where you learn your personal skills. You learn uh, how to work under a boss, how to take orders uh, and how to become productive. And then you can move up, up, up in the world, right? I, I yeah. started at a bus point, I ended up in Congress somehow. So that's <laughs> the missing part. It's not about the wage rate. And that's why we need you on the show. Dave Bratt, great to see you. Thanks for setting us and everyone straight here on the minimum wage. Appreciate you, sir. Thanks, Dave. You bet. God bless, brother. Thank you. All right. Dave uh, Bratt with a lot of good information from an economic standpoint. And by the way, he's got a lot of other issues he can talk about. But you know, hey, we go right to the, the bread and butter, if you will. When we come back, here's a question for you. Will Donald Trump maybe run, not for president, but for Congress, for Senate? Could it be possible? We're going to discuss that possibility. Is it rare? We'll see. Talk about it in a moment. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. A CPAC, the big story today. It'll be the big, bigger story even over the weekend when Donald Trump speaks on Sunday. I think CPAC stands for conservatives pretty angry currently. Uh, that's what I think CPAC stands for, at least uh, in 2021. They are ticked off. I mean, for, uh, we saw, we heard Ted Cruz yelling before from CPAC. Uh, we've had uh, quite the, the theatrics and fireworks. And Trump hasn't even spoken yet. <laughs> Wait for that. Uh, all right, so let's play a little bit more of CPAC. This is uh, James Langford. The senator from Oklahoma, he's a lot more mellow, but very, very smart and talking about religious liberty under attack. Last year, I was seated on the lawn of the White House, getting a sunburn because I'm a redhead, <laughs> watching President Trump in the leadership of Israel, UAE, and Bahrain sign the Abraham Accords. the first Middle East peace treaty in decades. And as I sat there on the South Lawn watching the ceremony, I sat reading the Abraham Accords. I don't know if you've read that peace treaty, but here's how the Abraham Accords, Accords begin. We, the undersigned, recognize the importance of maintaining and strengthening peace in the Middle East and around the world based on mutual understanding and coexistence, as well as respect for human dignity, freedom, including religious freedom. Did I mention that was signed by Israel, United Arab Emirates, and Bahrain? Freedom is breaking out in the Middle East while the left is trying to shut it down in America, but they cannot do that because we are Americans and we have the greatest constitution in the world. He's absolutely right. Uh, that's Senator James Langford. By the way, I want his voice. What a voice. It's got some depth and resonance. It's like, uh, you know, Ursula and Little Mermaid. I want your voice. Uh, let's bring in Fred Lucas, uh, chief national affairs correspondent of The Daily Signal. He's also author uh, of the book, The Abuse of Power Inside the Three-Year Campaign to Impeach Donald Trump. Uh, Fred, always great to see you, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Well, Fred, let's talk a little bit about this uh, this uh, article you wrote, op-ed, uh, 
that you wrote about Donald Trump and his future. Uh, you, well, I'll let you take it from here, but here's the, the, uh, the headline. Far-fetched plan for Donald Trump's future sort of makes sense. Why don't you take us through this? Okay, yeah, sure. Um, well, uh, a big part of it is uh, I'm making the point that while most people are, are speculating that Donald Trump uh, is aiming to be the next Grover Cleveland by winning non-consecutive presidential terms, um, there is a chance out there and there's chatter that he might be looking at being the next John Quincy Adams or, or maybe even uh, the next Andrew Johnson in the sense that both of those guys actually went to Congress after serving in the White House. Uh, and it's certainly in the case of John Quincy Adams, uh, had a very influential um, career in Congress. So, I mean, um, the, and the, this, this is something that, I mean, it might seem very unlikely, uh, but it, it would offer Donald Trump a uh, an avenue to have a complete platform. He wouldn't have the same responsibilities that he had as president, but, uh, you know, he would have this platform for national rallies, uh, uh, to keep that following, keep the mega agenda that he cares about going. And, uh, the, this would be something that would, uh, uh, keep him in the spotlight and keep that agenda forward. So, uh, it's, it's not unthinkable and it has been done before. Well, I don't think there's any question about if he wants to run uh, for any sort of Senate seat in Florida or if he wants to, like Rubio, if he wanted, if, not that he's going to primary Rubio, he's not going to do that. But, I mean, if he wanted to, I, he could win. I mean, he could, he could win. And, and also in the House, I mean, talk, talk to me about a House situation because everybody thinks, oh, the U.S. House, why would he want to be in the House of Representatives? But, but you come to an interesting conclusion as it relates to what that could eventually mean uh, in terms of the power that he might yield one day. Well, um, Steve Bannon, he's former advisor, and we don't even know that they're on speaking terms at all. Trump pardoned him on the last day, of course. But uh, uh, Steve Bannon suggested that he could become Speaker of the House immediately, and then from Bannon's point of view, uh, push for the impeachment of Joe Biden. Uh, whether that's advisable or not, I don't know. But uh, that that is something, a pathway in which he could he could go if he wanted to get into the House leadership. Um, as far as where he would run, right now he's in South Florida and uh, Palm Beach County. It would probably be tough to win a seat in a very heavily Democratic area, even even for a former president. Uh, but he could all, you know, wealthy people have been known to move and relocate into different congressional districts. Uh, there, there's a Jay Rockefeller uh, notion that this was a, a New York liberal who had a billion dollars. He just wanted to go somewhere to buy a Senate seat, so he moved to West Virginia uh, and managed to do it there. Trump could easily go into a state where he won overwhelmingly in the presidential races of 2016 and 2020, uh, set up residence, run for Senate. He could go into the panhandle of Florida and probably win a U.S. House seat pretty easily there or mm -hmm. any number of House districts uh, that he won by around 90% or so during the 2016 and 2020 elections. You know, Fred, it doesn't obviously take a rocket scientist to figure out that Donald Trump wants to be the big enchilada, no matter where he is, uh, for sure. And right. obviously, I've known him over a decade. I, I, it seems hard for me to believe that he would entertain any sort of House seat or even a Senate seat. Uh, I, I know that's, it's unconventional. I mean, you're saying it's unconventional, uh, but but yeah, I would yeah, think that he's going 2024 bust. Yeah. What's that? 
I think he's probably going 2024 or bust. It, 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 that, that seems like the most logical explanation, but, yeah. uh, and that seems like where he's heading. Uh, what we're hearing is that he's going to declare himself the presumptive nominee for 2024. Uh, and, uh, you know, I keep bringing former presidents up. Uh, looks like he's going to go the Andrew Jackson route after Jackson lost the 1924 election. Uh, he, oh, I'm sorry, 1824 election. Yeah, he uh, essentially said, I was robbed and spent the next four years campaigning. He was uh, actually right. immediately nominated for president by the Tennessee legislature after that. Yeah. So things worked differently then, but. Well, Fred, I appreciate you uh, coming on. And uh, when you said presumptive nominee, that he might say something along those lines, you're talking about it at a speech at CPAC on Sunday. Yes, right, right. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Fred, appreciate you joining us. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right. Uh, and, you know, he's he's got us. Uh, it's, it's interesting uh, information uh, for sure. Uh, but, look, I, I think as we go through, and there's his book, Abuse of Power, uh, Fred Lucas, uh, it's being sold wherever books are sold, Amazon.com and all of that jazz. Uh, but look, reality is this. Donald Trump is going to have a big speech on Sunday. The question is, how much is he going to look forward? How much is he going to look back? I can guarantee you it's going to make news, clearly. And I bet you it goes two hours or even north of two hours back in line. Hey, welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Time now for, I got it, the last sip. All right, uh, here's what we're going to start with. Poor... Mr. Potato Head. That's right, Mr. Potato Head. Now, you may have heard by now, uh, but Hasbro is rebranding Mr. Potato Head as just Potato Head. Uh, they say, don't worry, they were, they're still going to sell Mr. Potato Head and Mrs. Potato Head separately, but the brand is now just called Potato Head. Well, I have a better word. How about change the name of the Hasbro company to a bunch of stupid heads? This is insane. This isn't just about political correctness here, folks. I mean, obviously, it's a so-called politically correct attempt to be inclusive. We got that, all that jazz. But come on, folks, we're not stupid. This is all about the kids, the next generation reshaping America. And the way you do that is you start with the kids. You get them when they're young. And hey, parents, are you listening? They're coming after your kids. That's right, your little boys and girls. I said it, boys and girls. Two genders. If you don't believe me, by the way, ask God or crack open a Bible. Here's what Glad says about the move. Uh, this is Mr. Potato Head's reaction. No, just kidding. Uh, but this is what Glad says. Quote, Hasbro is helping kids to simply see toys as toys, which encourages them to be their authentic selves outside of the pressures of traditional gender norms. Well, look, folks, uh, let me just say it straight. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. First of all, if toys are just toys, as the Glad spokesman just said, then leave the toy alone. Leave Mr. Potato Head alone. He didn't offend anyone. He's just a toy. He's just a potato. Actually, he's not even a potato. He's a plastic potato. And also, how in the world does a gender-neutral toy encourage kids to be their authentic selves outside the pressures of traditional gender norms? That's a bunch of gobbledygook nonsense. So let me get this straight. If a child sees a male Mr. Potato Head, then that's going to severely affect a child's decision on what gender to morph into? I mean, is it me? Am I crazy? It's not me. It's them. And who are them exactly, all right? It's not just Hasbro. It's every single out-of-control liberal who thinks they are moving this country forward with this nonsense. This isn't moving the country forward, folks. This is dividing the country. Look, we need to have compassion and concern for those struggling with their sexual identity. Absolutely. But you don't solve anything whatsoever by changing the name of a plastic potato. 
All you're doing is deepening the divisions that already exist in this country. And in the end, all of this is a fight to protect the Judeo-Christian values that made America stronger at its very beginning. So it's not about a potato. It's about the soul of America. It's a battle for the soul of America. And that's not small potatoes. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. As you just saw there, CPAC 2021 all weekend long. The big speech comes Sunday, Donald Trump, 3.40 p.m. Eastern time. Do, do, do. That's 1.40. What was that? What kind of sound effect was that? That's 1.40 p.m. Pacific time if you're in California. And if you are, say hi to Gavin Newsom. All right, it's time for the poll of the day. The Water Cooler. Poll of the day. I'm going to be honest with you. Even before we get to the poll of the day, I mean, you can put it up, but I like this music. I'll tell you what. That's like Gloria Stefan in Miami Sound Machine, FYI. All right. Do you have a favorable or an unfavorable opinion of each of the following individuals? Hey, look at that. Nancy Pelosi, not shocking that she has a 53% unfavorable opinion, but 36% have a favorable opinion of Nancy Pelosi? Where are these people? I guess they're Democrats, clearly. <laughs> they ain't Republicans. <laughs> uh, Kevin McCarthy at 25%. We showed you that figure yesterday, but now the poll showing Kevin McCarthy versus Nancy Pelosi. It's like Roe v. Wade. Not really. What am I talking about? Anyhow, Kevin McCarthy at 25%, a lower favorable rating than Nancy Pelosi. And my sense of that is, I mean, here's my uh, on-the-spot analysis. Uh, my sense of it is, is that Kevin McCarthy kind of tied in with Trump and the Republican Party, and they're going through a lot of stuff right now. You know what? Give it a couple of years. Actually, give it less than a couple of years because 2022, just around the corner, Believe it or not, I know it's 2021, but guess what? 2022 races in the House and in the Senate, they're already starting, or I shouldn't say the Senate so much, but the House for sure, uh, starting to gear up really right now. So it'll be interesting to see if Kevin McCarthy's uh, approval number uh, continues to, or actually jumps back up and becomes more favorable as we get closer to 2022. Remember, Republicans have a excellent, an excellent shot at taking back the U.S. House of Representatives in 2022. And Donald Trump, oh, by the way, is going to be on the campaign trail. So that'll be interesting. All right. Uh, that does it for us. Now, I will tell you next week, a little programming note, big week. Uh, Tommy Lahren will be here on Tuesday. Hey, guess who's going to stop by on Wednesday? Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, the former Secretary of State, but obviously he's got a lot to say on internal affairs. Internal? <laughs> internal. Wait, he's got stuff to say on internal affairs international affairs. He'll be here next week. Hope you join us. Have a great weekend, everybody. Don't eat too much. I will.